Wild women, welcome. This is the Femme Podcast. If you're new around here, I'm Jack, one half of the Femme Duo. Before you dive into today's episode, I want to give you a heads up. The Femme Podcast is on season number two. You're about to listen to an episode from season one, which was the Spiritual Smackdown podcast where we invited women to rise from rock bottom. So season one is all about the Spiritual Smackdown. Season two is all about rising from greatness to greatness. More on top of more on top of more. It's where we tap into everything your woman desires. The money, the sex, the wealth, the power, the pussy desires. Start here and then come join us for season two. We're waiting. It's like a little tap on the butt or a huge womp on the booty. A spiritual smackdown is the universe's way of saying, hey, you, it's time for a change. It's time to listen to your intuition. You know, that little voice you've been ignoring. It's time for something bigger, something miraculous. But before you get to experience those highs, you got to shift through the lows. Oh, those lows. And those often start at rock bottom. Hey, I'm Rob. And I'm Jack. We're best friends and business partners. We life together, work together, play together, and somehow we ended up here. With a community of thousands of badass, beautiful women who want more from life than staying surface level. Welcome to the Spiritual Smackdown Podcast. This is for the wild woman ready to rise. The woman ready to up-level her game in soul-driven business and elevate to the next level of her being. This podcast is going to connect you with women who are out in the world having a massive impact. This podcast is going to call on your truth. This podcast is going to initiate massive breakthroughs in your life and business to bust through the limits that are keeping you stuck exactly where you are right now. We're going deeper than surface level. We're going to the depths of healing to trigger your revolution. We're tapping into the struggles of growing and operating six-figure businesses, being totally broke and then rising to riches. We're diving into the spiritual growth, getting clear on what you want, learning how to ask for it, owning your worth, gaining confidence, and becoming a total queen of pleasure to raise your vibe and magnetize your reality. We're teaching you how to get strategically aligned in your business and challenging you to strip your business of all the weighted shoulds. And then we're going to watch your bank account start growing with more ease than ever before. So welcome to this space, a space for you to finally understand and celebrate that where you are right now is the perfect place to rise. So go ahead and hit subscribe on iTunes, fill your cup with coffee or wine, and come get real with us as we spit our truth and get ready to rise. Hello, Wild Femmes. Welcome back to the Spiritual Smackdown podcast for the wild woman ready to rise. You guys, I'm so excited about today's conversation. We have got a dear friend slash client slash like I want to call you a mentor, Kelly, slash badass corporate boss lady slash new mama. And I have known Kelly for, well, here's where you're definitely going to correct me. I want to say four years. I think it's five. Okay. I was originally going to say five. I should have gone with my gut. So we think we've known each other for about five years. And I originally planned Kelly's wedding. And you know, when you meet those people who make you a little bit uncomfortable because you're like, 
oh yeah this <laughs> you're like oh this woman knows more than i do like this woman's more organized a little bit more just like refined around the edges and i was like okay i'm going to just do my best at faking my way through this wedding planning thing even though she's going to look at my spreadsheets and be like oh my gosh this is a tragedy you know and kel i just remember being so enamored by your power and kind of stunted. You know, when you meet those women, sometimes you're like, oh yeah, you can move things. I forget that that's how you guys met each other. Oh man. Yeah. Well, you know how I know it's been five years is, and and why I can pinpoint it to a date, which I'm sure we're going to get into on this podcast is I remember vividly exactly where we were and we were hanging out and you told me you were pregnant. We talked about both trying to, you know, have our first baby. And the next time I saw you, you told me that news. And it was one of those first times for me where I had that experience of I'm really happy for my friend, but it also hurt me a little bit because my husband and I had some trouble already there. Mm. And I remember from the other side, sharing that I was pregnant and also being excited, but also having the same feeling as you. You want to celebrate with your friends. You know, you want to share the news and to also know that it's going to be a happy celebration and result for them as well. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Women are complicated emotional people. And I think that is one of the events, I guess. For yourself or for your friends that always seems to be mixed feelings these days because these times people are not sort of having babies early and there's all sorts of ways that they have them and so it's just I didn't worry I wasn't going to get pregnant I thought I would get pregnant exactly when I planned it and it would just happen <laughs> because I mean and this is really like the the start of the story of my spiritual smackdown mm -hmm. which was how I was raised how I navigated through life up until that point, I was really, if you work hard, you work smart, get all your ducks in a row, mm -hmm. you will accomplish every goal. That's just how it happens. And so I was always willing to work hard and I was always, I could play the game, I could maneuver, I could get to where I needed to, however, whatever chess game I had to set up, I could get there. Basically, I can sum it up as I was a strategic person. If I was strategic about this, it would work out for me. And the more strategic I was, the further away I got from figuring out how to get pregnant. I had so many starts and stops in my ability to try and get pregnant and then carry it, et cetera, that I really feel now. And, and by the way, I now have an eight month old, so I got there, but over the four and a half, five years that we've known each other, Robin, like he's eight months, right? So four and yeah. change my husband, and I've been trying to have a baby and I think I got knocked down so many times by the universe on this whole thing. Now looking back a little bit is because it's like the universe wanted me to stand up without all the layers of bullshit that I put over myself, ego driven kind of thing. I was so layered up with all of that, that yeah, I think the universe just knocked me down until I stood up and I was like, naked in the rain or something like, okay, and now I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Well, and when we think of your spiritual smackdown, and I'm so excited to be diving into this story with you, is that 
all of this is preparing you for motherhood, mm-hmm. right? And motherhood is the most divinely feminine act of all, right? It's procreation. You're literally creating a life, right? You're bringing something into existence. You're growing something within you. And as much as we want to control that, and as much as we want to control how it goes and how it's birthed and how it's raised and how it acts and how it behaves and how it responds, we can't, Mm -mm. right? So here you are in this spiritual SmackDown journey being asked to let go of control, to release the need to have it go your way, to loosen your grips on the systems, on all these things that had made you extremely successful up until this point. Yeah. And I mean, when we talked, when we caught up two years ago now or three years ago, and how are you doing? And I met Wave and she was a few months old and I said, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm seeing the Chinese medicine man. I'm only eating hot foods. While I think there is some benefit to the digestive system of eating hot foods, it just reminded me of how like extreme I was in trying to plan and control everything I was doing to get pregnant. And then, I, I mean, my story is we struggled to get pregnant. I got pregnant. I had an ectopic, lost my left fallopian tube. So had to like think about trying again, but it was, I was down a side basically. Wait, yeah. I have also had an ectopic pregnancy and I think this is really embarrassing, but I don't even really fully know what it is. Okay. Let me explain because I, I think especially for anybody in the CETUS guy who's trying to get pregnant or is pregnant, it can be dangerous. So an ectopic is where it comes through the fallopian tube, is fertilized, the egg's been fertilized by the sperm because the sperm swims into the uterus up the fallopian tube, finds the egg, and then fertilizes it, and then it starts to float down, and it never makes it out the fallopian tube. In my case, it almost made it, but it implants in the fallopian tube, and as it starts to get bigger, as those cells start to rapidly divide, as a baby does, your fallopian tube will, will burst, and you could potentially bleed out, depending on how exactly location-wise Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, they are treated fairly seriously. And at about five weeks in of a pregnancy, you can usually see it on an ultrasound that it's not in the uterus and that it's in a tube. And then they can treat it with drugs. Or in my case, they remove the tube because if they try and treat it with drugs and repair the tube, your chances of having another one are actually quite high in that same tube. So I just said, no, I don't want to, I don't want to go through this again. Take out the tube. I'll work the other side. My ovaries still work. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I always thought, okay, if I have to do IVF or like assisted reproductive, you know, techniques, I will. But at that point, that first one, I actually didn't think I was going to need that. Yeah, Kelly. And how like long into your journey of trying to get pregnant was this? Like I know in the beginning you said, you know, you thought it would happen just exactly when you planned, exactly on the timeline you planned. How far into you trying to get pregnant was this? So here is how how much in control I thought I was on this. I took a job in 2014-ish, a job big ass American company that I never wanted to work for only to get benefits and prepare for a mat leave. Mm. This is how like I thought I could time this. And then as I was trying to get pregnant, trying to get pregnant, and I didn't really like this job that much, 
I was becoming more and more and more miserable. Like I was getting more frustrated every day, like I dragged ass every day because I just wasn't really passionate about the work I was doing. I was getting frustrated because it wasn't happening. And so I would say that that was like 2014, late 2014, maybe. And then the first pregnancy, the first ectopic happened in January of 2016. So So you've been trying for like over a year. More, almost. I would say almost two years. So, and the first little bit wasn't as frustrating, but then after like the first year and, you know, we started to get some testing done and all that kind of stuff, it started to really build in terms of the level of frustration and anxiety in me that really started to affect relationship with Steve and, you know, just in general, in general, how I felt, right? Like I just did not feel very passionate about anything. Like I wasn't passionate about the work I was doing. I wasn't even really passionate about living in Whistler and having all the fun things here. I went through a lot of the emotions, but there was a lot of like covering up the bad stuff with stupid things, right? Like things like drinking too much or shopping or, you know, all the stuff you do when you, when you try and not really feel the feelings. Do you feel like there was this like mourning process almost of surrendering the control? Yes, but not until two ectopics, because I had a second ectopic, lost the second tube, then had to do IVF. So three IVFs later, not until then. And I never mourned. I didn't really mourn the first two or the two failed IVF cycles. I just went right to planning the next one. Like I skipped right over the mourning process. It made me feel better to be into the planning of the next one because of the right. control thing. And so until I really had that, like there was a third, I actually got to the process of transferring an embryo that didn't take until I got to that. That was my like lowest of the low, the spiritual smackdown part for me where I felt really like at the bottom. And after two ectopic pregnancies and a failed IVF is where you're at now. Three failed IVFs at this point. So finally, finally, I went into the the mourning part. I knew, I knew that it was really, I'll say rock bottom, but maybe it was. My husband and I had a fight and I didn't even know what to do like in my own skin. I just wanted to like go. So I, I got in the car and I started driving and I was driving really slow because I was crying. So all these people were like passing me, honking <laughs> at me. If you're like behind somebody who's driving slow, it could be like a woman crying in her car. So don't be too mean to her. And I remember he called me. He said something and I said, I just want to disappear. And that was like strange words for me, really strange words. I don't really know what that meant. And I had to, that's when I had to decide like, what is, what do, what do I mean by that? And at this point, we kind of took a, like a bit of a break. And then I found this new doctor and we started, we talked about a different protocol. And I, 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 it was something that I didn't really think I was going to go do either. And I really didn't think I was going to do almost four IVF cycles. I was like, uh, after one fails and forget it, I will adopt or something. Because I didn't really think it was going to happen to me. I didn't really think it would fail. Um, because if I worked hard and worked smart, mm-hmm. of course, I would meet my goal. So by this time, yeah, I had to like soul search after that. That was the bottom. I had to soul search. And we figured out a different, a different way of solving the problem and different doctor, different protocol. And 
a different spirit. I had a different spirit going into this one. And I can give you an example of what I mean by that. Yeah, the first one, I was super tight on how I did my medications. I was eating hot foods, going to the Chinese medicine man. I was not drinking. I was not drinking coffee. And I was so controlled on that whole thing. And the first time I had an embryo transfer, which is where they actually like put the embryo in your uterus in the clinic I was going to at that point said, you need to lie down for a day and a half, like horizontal. So I said, okay, gotta lie down. <laughs> By the time I went to get the other embryo transfer that is now my son, a doctor in Toronto, and maybe he was just, maybe it was just the right time for him to come and be my doctor, but he was so much more relaxed. And I just put all my trust into him. And he said, you just do this, you do that, it's no big deal. You know, if you want to walk on the treadmill, like the next day, go for it. And I did, like I walked on the treadmill, I had a little bit of wine and coffee, and I, I was just way more relax about it. So that for me is surrender. Mm -hmm. Even in the way you talk about it, you know, even in the way that you were able to take his words and actually apply them, you know, like, I feel like so many times we're like, oh yeah, okay. Okay. Like permission to let go of control is being granted, you know, permission to surrender mm -hmm. is there, but somewhere in our mind, somewhere in our conditioning, we still want to grip like that hope that no, no, no. Like if I do it exactly the way I'm supposed to, then I'm, uh, you know, then I'm going to get the exact result that I desire. Right. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, you being like uh, trusting him, right. You being like, no, you know what? Like, yeah, maybe if I let go a little bit, then it allows space for things to actually form for things to actually happen. Well, I say I trusted him, but in order to give him that trust, if you really dig a bit deeper, mm -hmm. I trusted myself to give him that trust and to, you know, try and believe in my own story and believe it was going to work out. Right. And I did not get there lucky, uh, you know, just happened one day I woke up that way. I've had a lot of coaching that helped me access my spiritual side too. I did a lot of that work, a lot of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I, th I think just even the way that you described the transition there too, like I, I literally was imagining you for someone that like lay horizontal for a day and a half, like, like, oh, I can see her laying there. Like she probably didn't even get out of bed to pee. Like, I don't know how she peed. I don't even know how she peed. But she probably didn't stand up. Like, not to get up. Bring me the bedpan, Steve. Like, no, it wasn't quite that bad. But I'll tell you, I wanted to work. I didn't, so again, I still very much am proud of that person, that person who's got grit and can like drive hard, like hard even, you know, through things where it's hard to get from start to finish. But that, that person was the person who did lay horizontal, but worked on her computer because I didn't even take more than half a day off. And I wanted to keep working to the point where I screwed up my neck. And when I had to fly home, I was in like excruciating pain. Because I just, just didn't lay around like watching Netflix and relaxing like I should have been. And this is actually where I'm, I think your Femme Forward course is helping me a, a little bit where I went into all of this 99% masculine energy. And what's happening to me now is that having a baby from the day I went into labor until probably two or three months ago. I was able to access that feminine energy because 
it was almost like my hormones and my instincts were doing that for me at postpartum. And it was awesome. Like I really enjoyed that. Like it, it was, it was nice to be that, that side, which I know I have in me, but was not the dominant. Then sort of that crept back in, in the last few months. And I was, you know, trying to figure out how I'd be a mompreneur and do all these things. And, and then we're talking about having a sibling for my son, which is pull the embryo out of the freezer and do the whole thing over, not, not the whole process, but the, the transfer part, which again, is just as nerve wracking in some ways as it can be the first time, even though there's a success story there, it's still, you still want it to work, of course. And there's still worries that it might not. So I'm doing what I can to not slide back into that mode because I think, and I'm still TBD, I'm, I'm really understanding myself as this, in this new transition of being a mom and not having a job. I'm still trying to like understand that person, but I can intuitively sense that if I just let myself try it out like all in wholeheartedly for the next couple of years if we are lucky enough to have a successful second embryo transfer I should just really enjoy this part and so some of the work in your fem forward course is really helping me do that but it for me it's like a daily like I have to work on it daily sometimes even hourly the surrendering into the feminine yeah because masculine comes from me like I want to boss stuff, even though there's stuff that does not need bossing. It doesn't need to have that. I don't need to bring that energy to it. This is the same for me. I mean, I'm getting way better at it now, but I think we probably have really similar stories in terms of our upbringing and the lessons that we were taught in terms of you go to school, you get the education, you work hard, you take the job, you keep the job, you climb the ladder, you hold on to the benefits, you work until you get the highest pension. Like, you know, how much you do creates how successful you are. And if you stop doing, then you're going to become less successful and then you're not worthy and you're not valuable. And even the story for me and all that was like, it's actually not even that you're not valuable. It's that you're lazy and now you're wasting taxpayers' money and you're wasting like, you know, it was like next level for me. So for me to decondition those beliefs, like we're talking 30 years of believing that. Yeah. So when we say like, oh, it's an hourly check-in for me. I mean, this is what we teach also, right? Is that sometimes it even gets to be moment to moment. What do I feel right now? Oh yeah. Okay. I feel this. What do, what do I need right now to feel joy? Oh yeah. This what's going to light mm-hmm. me up right now in this moment. Oh yeah. This, mm-hmm. right. So this idea that we never have to think about it again, maybe it's always something that we have to think about and maybe that's the gift. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just kind of reminded me of a couple of things. One thing that I learned through the first sort of coach, real coaching experience I had was there's a big difference between ambition and fulfillment. So for some people, I think those are the same. Like like what, what people are passionate about. I mean, maybe ambition becomes passion. But for me, what I was being ambitious about was not fulfilling me at all, even to the point of I was being ambitious about trying to get pregnant. But all the things I was, I was doing was like I completely, I put all my energy every last drop into trying to do the get pregnant thing. I didn't do anything fun. I didn't do anything like 
that made me feel joyful just for the sake of it, which is obviously why my husband was so frustrated with me too. But I didn't put any energy into that. So if I were to very like from the heart urge anybody who's trying to get pregnant and is sort of far down the, the, the path, this way of trying to control it, do fun things for yourself, do things just not for egg quality, not for getting pregnant, not for all of that, but just for yourself because it's fun and you like it. Because, well, and I think that we hear this so often in women's stories, right? Like I was so stressed about it. It's all I was thinking about. I was measuring my temp, yeah. like all these things. And then the minute I forgot about it, or the minute I decided it just wasn't working was the exact moment I got pregnant. Yeah. And that's the rub with this whole thing for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you have to force yourself by writing a list that says, here are the fun things I like to do. And I need to do these three times a week which is kind of like how I would have had to be at that point, do that. I remember meeting up with my business mentor one, one time when he was in town and he asked me how I was doing and I'm you know, quite close to him and we're very honest with each other. And I was saying, was talking about a bunch of stuff and he said, you sound really down on yourself. And I really was, but I didn't really give, my chance to e- give myself a chance to even understand that that's what I was doing to myself listening to those words like I was really down on myself and I didn't even realize it yeah because I kept hiding in the have a plan like planning I mean one of the times where we'd gotten a bad bad news result it was like Canada day then the next day and actually we drank like way too much wine and I I eventually had enough wine that I started crying and like mourned you know the bad result then but it was not the healthy way to do it at all so I do not recommend that. <laughs> well, I'm, and here's the thing is that we all move through a process. I feel like looking back in that moment, you may not have even recognized that what you needed to do yet was to mourn, right? Yeah. Like we're still so in the process and so needing to believe that it was going to work when we need that satisfaction to know that the end result is going to get here, we don't even really allow ourselves to feel the disappointment of what's happening in this moment. I have a tendency to run like a plan B, like a risk mitigation plan before the bad thing even, like for the bad things that could happen. I have noticed though, if I'm being you know honest, that at least as many times as it's useful to have had the backup plan ready, it's just as detrimental to spend so much energy on the backup plan that didn't even need to happen. So I, yeah, I mean, that's a tough one for me because with a, with a baby, with a kid now, I mean, you kind of have to be a little bit more prepared and have a backup plan for some things, but I was a bit over the top on that. And for me, I think about like energy, there's, you get so much, you can create more energy, maybe, sure, but Sometimes if you put all your energy into something and you're really depleted, the negative effects are worse than like what's actually even happening. I love that. And I also think that this is such a cool differentiation between being super rooted in masculine and allowing yourself to be more in the flowy feminine state is this like needing to solve the problem before there's even a problem versus allowing yourself to to naturally flow with life, right? With whatever comes up. 
Yeah. And the one thing that is, is tough in a fertility journey or an IVF journey or trying to become a mother journey is that there are times where you don't feel very feminine. You don't feel very like, I'm a woman. I'm my, this is what my body's supposed to be meant to do. Why isn't it doing that? For me, it was thinking sort of a little bit out loud here. Maybe one of the reasons why I just spent so much time being in my safe problem solving mode was because I didn't really want to think about being female, woman's body, but it wasn't, it wasn't working the way it should. And there was nothing I could do about it. Like I didn't want to have no options. So I stayed in the safe planning of all the options that we'd have. Like I would say to my husband all the time, like, well, we still have options. We could do this. We could do that. We could change clinics. We could go to this doctor. I could do this. And I mean, it was always, that was always where I would go. I needed a lot of um, shoving, universe shoving or whatever you want to call it, I think, to get to a much happier place like with myself than I was four or five years ago. I did not, there was not a lot of love in my body, like for myself, for, you know, people around me, not, not that I wasn't a loving person or a kind person or a compassionate person. I just, just wasn't feeling that good. I felt like I had this loving person in me that wasn't able to come out. Well, and this is the thing. I, I think that it was the rigidity, right? Like it was the need to be always solving the problem. I mean, and that's who you were right? Like I was your wedding planner and you were literally solving the problems, right? Like we probably didn't even let you do your job. Honestly. I I don't think, I don't think you did. And that's okay because I can read people and I understand what you, you know, like I knew that what would actually make you feel the best on your wedding day was to know that it was going your way. Mm -hmm. Right. But what I see in you now is yeah, a softness. Good. That makes me happy because And it's sort of ironic to say it this way, but I've been working hard at being soft. I have a much deeper understanding about like what truly brings me joy and makes me feel good. I understand when I start to slip into that more masculine energy when it's not needed. Like sometimes I really access it and it serves me and it's great. But even right now, like as I track to, you know, an early fall embryo transfer, Like, I want to go into it so, I've said this sort of before, I truly started to believe in my own story, however it was going to turn out without actually knowing how it was going to turn out. Maybe not so deeply that I didn't have a care in the world, but enough that I had like a relaxing of mind and body and, and my spirit was able to just feel a bit better. I feel like I can say like the moment that you told me that you were pregnant, like I felt a different energy from you. Yeah. And it's so funny because I'll tell you like any, and any of your listeners who've ever gone through this or, you know, ever have to go through it. And this is a tough time for anybody who's waiting the two weeks before, you know, they think they might've conceived to, to being able to test for it. With IVF, because, you know, they, they have you go get a blood test on X day or whatever. I mean, that is a crazy stressful time where, like, the minutes go by slow. Mm. But for me, that last one, but for whatever reason, like, I just felt some something that made me think I was pregnant, some sort of connection to whatever, you know, spirit is now 
my boy and and I was it was okay and I kind of felt that even at the beginning of the whole process I hope to go into the next one like that well one thing that I love that you've been sharing with us over this conversation too you know and you said you know it was just how you were brought up and to really be in this masculine energy and to be always like problem solving and to be always thinking and then you're like you know I've been working really hard to tap into more of the feminine but it's like you recognize like you weren't just like oh that's that's just who I am that's how I've raised I have no choice in this you're like oh no I'm gonna choose to soften I'm gonna choose to look at some of these patterns these behaviors these thoughts and like actually choose to do it differently next time yeah and what's funny is that I have this ability to trust more than I than I had in the past and it takes me work to trust, but the work is paying off, I think, because I I'm, I'm feel like I'm sort of putting trust in the universe a lot more than I had ever done so. And now it's just happening a bit, bit more easily for me. Yeah, I think it sounds like this trust too has been able to allow you to take some of the pressure off, the pressure off the timelines, the pressure off it being done exactly the way Kelly thinks it should be done, when she thinks it should be done, how it should be done. <laughs> the unspoken thing on this is that the problem with people who like to control stuff and plan everything is that when it goes to plan, I mean, it's sort of like a huge dopamine hit. You think you're, you think you're a rock star because you planned something, you executed on it, worked out well, it's awesome. But the problem is when it doesn't, at least for me, I beat myself up to like no end. Like I've really beat myself up about that kind of those kinds of things. And if you think about how many like quote unquote failures or failed things or bad results that happened during this, you know, baby journey for me, that was basically four years of beating myself up hard. Oh, that's why by the time I sort of got to that, the, the rock bottom for me, maybe I wanted to disappear because I was just getting beat up by myself. So I needed some relief from that. Man, I keep having this question come back when your business mentor brought it to your attention that he, you know, when he was like, I feel like you're down on yourself. Like you seem down on yourself. What did it feel like to hear those words? I struck a nerve for sure, but part of me beat myself up for, you know, showing up in bad form in front of him because he, he's always been somebody that what he thinks of me really matters to me. So then I was like, Oh God, Jeff's probably right. And now I just shown up and like, not the A game with him. This is bad. But really the thing that would really crush me is I have a, a um, Steve, my husband, he's from New York and his personality is he will give you the raw feedback and it is always spot on, almost always spot on, but it comes really raw. And so when Steve would say things to me, like you don't have any passions, it would be true. Like for a period of time there, when I wasn't spending any energy on anything for myself other than this baby quest, I didn't feel passionate about anything. He was right. He was so right. And I mean, yeah, maybe his delivery could have been a bit more, supportive, but, um, at that time, but I mean, it was probably highly frustrating for him that I wasn't having any fun. I wasn't doing anything fun. I wasn't probably even fun to go skiing with or whatever, you know? It was well, like- and I, I think this is an important acknowledgement because often we, when we're in this almost tunnel vision state of just trying to like survive 
you know, like I just need to do the things to stay alive so I can make this baby. Like I just need to keep doing this. And we're like so focused on the one thing, right? That people start to look out for us. They start to ask questions. They start to get us to return to the things that we once loved, you know? And with Steve saying something like, you don't have any passions. Passions. Yeah. You know, like what he's actually trying to say is like, where, like, where did Kelly go? When we can allow ourselves to hear these things in terms of love, right? Then it can bring us back to that almost this place of like self-realization where it's like, oh yeah, you know, I have my partner and I have my business mentor saying like, maybe something's off, you know, and rather than looking at those as flaws or things that you've done wrong or something that, you know, is a flaw within you, can you actually take it as, as love, right? And say like, okay, what, well, I need to like really focus some energy back on Kelly. Yeah. And actually that reminds me that it's, it's important to share that what I learned, speaking of other people, other people close to you, your partner, your, you know, future grandparents, the sisters, the friends, they are not necessarily the right people to support you, especially through sort of the, the, the whole IVF process, they can be supportive, but maybe they're not quite the right people to support you in a way that is as helpful at a particular time. What would maybe be helpful for me is, at this point now for me, it's to share and give back, but it would have been back then to have a support group of women who were going through the same thing, who I could just show up to be with or show up for or show up to talk to and not talk about it ad nauseum with all my friends and family who they don't really know what to say after, you know, sort of the first, Hey, how's it going with that? And then you say something and then you start to either, either you're talking about medical stuff they don't understand, or they don't really know if it's like a bad result, what to say. It's it just wasn't really, I didn't get what I needed from it. And I feel like I put them also in like an awkward spot. Mm, so for the women listening who are on, you know, a similar journey, whether they're just beginning their journey to motherhood and with pregnancy or whether they've, you know, they're on a similar path and they're in it, you know, and yeah, really feeling like they desire a level of support. Where can they find support? If they're working with a clinic, sometimes the clinic has support groups set up and has clinical counselors and stuff. You know, there are like forums, which I don't recommend those because there's a lot of, a lot of stuff in there that is just not helpful. Truthfully, I, I didn't really find a great option, you know, for that. And that's why before COVID, at least in my community, I was meeting with our community people to start a, an IVF support twice a month gathering, then COVID hit. But I think things may have shifted. So somebody that I know who is, um, who's a counselor here might she emailed me and said she has a, a space that might be available in September. So I might start an in-person support group with her, you know, with her potentially even in her space. If anybody wants to talk to me, they are welcome to have my, you know, my email. If you want to put it in your, your note and they want to just jump on a call, especially when it's their first round and they don't, you know, they're really un- unsure about all sorts of things. But a lot of times that's honestly like just a supportive handhold 
And then I would say anybody who's has had a bad result, you know, an IVF didn't work out or an embryo transfer failed, and they're just in that place of, I don't really know what to do next or how to feel. I'd like to talk to somebody, but I want to make sure that person understands. You know, I think you have to find somebody who's been, who's been through it. Otherwise nobody really understands. I mean, it's people who've had miscarriages. I think it's similar, but it's not quite the same as going through all this like medical planning, financial expenditure, you know, it's just a little bit different where you really, I think the first one, you really believe that the solution is science-based and therefore it's probably going to work. Mm. Well, I, I can say too, as somebody like I've shared a lot that I've went through three miscarriages and two later term miscarriages. And so there's been like a lot that I've went through on my journey as well, but wow. I've always gotten pregnant very easily, you know? So this is the thing, right? We all have different pieces of our story, different challenges. And I remember, you know, sometimes getting pregnant, people like, oh, well, you just like get pregnant so easily. I'm like, yeah, but I have my own challenges as well, you know? So it's, it's hard to know exactly what anyone else is going through. And I think the mm-hmm. most we can do is to really understand like all of our stories are different. We don't know still be there to support and love one another through it and just know that all of our stories come with their own uniqueness and their own challenges. Yeah. And it's funny because it's like, they're all very unique, but in a lot of cases, there's a lot of similarity, but people don't know that, that people mm-hmm. or other people even close by to them or, you know, one degree of separation around them that have had something similar, you know, happen. And I just recently told my, somebody I worked with about, all the things I went through when I worked at that company, which they, I didn't tell anybody at that whole time. And he actually said, Oh, I totally get that because our family is an IVF family. And that's happened to me so many times, but no shame in my game here. I'm using your guys' podcast to share my story, to put it out there that if somebody out there needs to talk to someone, we'll find our way to each other so that I can help them. That is at this point, the only thing that I want to do. I mean, at some point I think I'd like to fertility coach or IVF coach or whatever, but that's not right now for me. And it's just more, don't drive down the sea to sky saying you want to disappear without talking to me or to somebody first, because <laughs> there's probably something in, in the conversation with somebody else that could, you know, give you a bit of hope or optimism or, I mean, yes, five years later, we have an eight month old, we got it done. And it was a transformational experience for me. Like it is for so many women, you know, the journey of getting pregnant, being pregnant, giving birth, and ultimately becoming a mom, right? And we think that the journey to getting pregnant is like, I mean, it is such a huge story for so many women. And Yet it's just the beginning. You know, it's the beginning of everything, right? Yeah. It might be goofy, but I really enjoyed my first few months postpartum because it was my ability to not think about much and just kind of be really acting on instinct and you know that different part of my brain. I actually slept really well the first well, and you, you had been waiting for that, right? You had been waiting to feel what it was like to just 
to mother. And I think that those first couple of months after we give birth are so important just to give ourselves that time and to give ourselves permission to, oh, just be in it and to soak it up and to feel all the things that, you know, come up. And yeah, I mean, I loved my postpartum time, especially after um, winning my second daughter was so Mm -hmm. beautiful and yeah, soft and gentle. And yeah, I don't think it's weird at all that that was such a blissful time for you. I think that's just so awesome. And that really like gives me like this inkling of that maybe I am actually better suited in some ways to a lot more feminine energy than this masculine energy that I had been operating in for so long, even though, yes, I'd love to consider myself, you know, boss babe or whatever I you know it's negotiator for tech companies whatever right but I felt so much better I think after when I was just just doing my new mom thing there's something there that I I'm actively like right now trying to figure out and see what shifts I need to make in my life go forward if I go back to work or you know what am I going to do there I'm stating this and now I'm going to state it on your podcast I am not going back to a job just for the, the money or the paycheck, or just because I think that I should be, I should pick up and be a career person because, you know, because that's what I was good at. I'm not going back to a job like that. So I feel that's progress for me. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of women share the same sentiment. You know, a lot of the women we talk to and work with are women who are just like, you know, I'm not willing to go back to that. I want my life to be different. And I think the willingness to allow your life to change through all of these, you know, transformations and metamorphoses, that's a word, metamorphoses (laughs) that we go through as women is just, yeah, allowing yourself to change and knowing that it doesn't need to look the same as it did before you were a mom, right? Giving yourself permission to flow with it. And I'm so thankful for you, Kelly, and sharing your story and yeah, being on the podcast and just opening up and making yourself available to other women who might be going through it. Thank you so much. Thank you for le- letting me do this. This is super healing for me and um, it, it, it helps me with sort of staying in that, uh, in that energy that that I, I so seek for myself. And the final thought I have actually came from one of your femme forward lives, which was what kind of woman do you want to be? I had never thought about answering that question stated like that ever. Mm. Yeah. I love ending off with that. Like what kind of woman do you want to be? And I also want to just point out where, what you said at the end there, you're like, this was healing for me. This is what happens when we share our stories, you know? It's yes. as much for everyone else as it is for you too. When we share, when we are willing to get vulnerable, when we are coming from a place of like, I truly desire to share my story so I help other women, you also heal yourself. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. And yeah, can't wait to be along on your journey and to continue <laughs> to hear your stories and to support you and Yeah. Thank you so much. That little boy is so lucky to have you. Uh, Thanks girls. I appreciate it all. And it was, it was super fun. Thank you for the fun as well. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. There really is nothing better than bringing a group of grown-ass women together. So go ahead and hit subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and come get real with us every week as we spit our truths and get ready to rise. And if you know other women down to get real, please do us a favor and share this episode on the socials. Take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram at ForTheWildFemme so we can give you a shout out. Instagram is definitely our favorite place to hang. So come join the combo there and we'll see you back here each and every Thursday. Thank you so much for being here. Get ready to rise. Love you, ladies. If you resonated with the messages in this podcast, we would love if you left us a review on iTunes or if you shared this with your community, you can tag the Femme Podcast on Instagram. If you're wanting to take this work just a little bit deeper, hop inside the weekly. Every week we meet, we've got guest coaches covering a wide array of topics on personal growth, development, to really help you sink into living your best life to curating the lifestyle that really sets your soul on fire and choose what you pay. So you can pay whatever you like, $11, 33 or $77 for the entire month. You also get access to all of the recordings. Go take advantage every single month. We also donate part of the proceeds to a change-making organization. So while you are giving back to yourself and really connecting yourself with an incredible community, you're also giving back to the world. So we love you so much. We can't wait to see you inside that community to make change, to spark uh, more collective love together. And as always, we're so appreciative for you and we love you so much. So thanks for listening and we'll see you right back in this same place next week.